This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. Why is accessibility important to you? And, and maybe give us an example or two of where people can try to be more accessible. For me, it comes down to equality. I am a big proponent of equal opportunity. That's really why I had to write the book, for example, because it bothered me that only people with means could get this type of help. I think that's why I write so much content on LinkedIn. I write a ton of content to help people discover themselves because I'm conscious of the fact that sometimes an $18.95 book is still not accessible to people. So I'm trying to help people as much as I can. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Kristen Sherry. You are the founder of UMAP because as you say, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. You're also a four-time Amazon bestselling author and you work many angles to help people find their path. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roger. I've been really looking forward to this conversation. I have too. And I, uh, love the fact that we had a pre-call. I don't always have the opportunity to talk to people before the actual interview. So it was nice because it gave us an opportunity to chat about a lot of different things. And, you know, you're down there in the Charlotte area, which is a beautiful area of our country where the sunshine is, seems to always be there. And on this beautiful Saturday, uh, we have the opportunity to talk for about an hour. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I'm even more grateful for you to share your story with our audience. Thank you. So let's start with, I think, the, the main premise of what you do. And, and, and I read it just a moment ago where you work many angles to help people find their path. What exactly uh, does that mean? Well, as I've gone through life and worked with people, I noticed this alarming shortage of confidence in people. So many people either struggle with what we call imposter syndrome or they don't feel confident and competent in the role they're in or they won't apply for or go for roles because they're afraid that they're not good enough. There's just this rampant confidence shortage in people. And I was very confused by that because I could clearly see the potential and wonderful things in all of these people that lacked professional confidence. I can't speak to their personal confidence. So there was that. And then when I would feed back to people some of the great things about them, it's like they weren't aware that they had these wonderful gifts. So I actually pivoted my own career. I was doing executive coaching and leadership development. And I thought, I want to help people really at the foundation of who am I and what are the gifts that I have to really maximize my potential in my life. And that's how I ended up on this path. So if we could just stay there for a moment, what, what would be some of the initial questions you would be asking to help people even start to think about that? Because if you're not thinking about it normally, it's, you know, I, I would, I would assume it's a, it's a new exercise and it's something that, you know, I wouldn't know where to start. So how do you help people uncover that? So after talking to a lot of people, I discovered there were really four things. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could look at at yourself about a person because we're multifaceted and complex. But I really boiled it down after a couple of thousand conversations with people. I boiled it down to four things that if you knew these four things about yourself, you could really intentionally apply your efforts to those four areas and, and get a lot of success in your career. So, and success is personally defined, of course, I'm not talking about making loads of money, but really achieve your goals. So the first thing is, what are the natural talents you possess? Those things that come naturally to you that you're just very good at, whether that's naturally building relationships with people with ease or being able to influence people and persuade and motivate people, 
whether that's just the ability to execute like a machine or this ability to think in a visionary way or a strategic way or generating innovative ideas, whatever that may be. The second thing is what's most important to you. And that's what people really never reflect on. What are your values? What is what, what drives you every day? That's sort of what you call your why. The first one, the strengths are how you work. The second one is why you work making a difference, making a contribution, wanting to grow. Some people value things like honesty and respect and loyalty, where other people value status and, and wealth. So you really have to know what's important to you because you don't want to make decisions based on other people's values. The third thing is more about your what. What do you do well from a skill perspective? And what are the skills that motivate you? A lot of times people are burning out they are burned out because they're doing skills that they're really good at, but they just don't like doing them. And that causes burnout. And the fourth thing is the who. Who am I from a personality point of view? What are my preferences and my needs based on who I am? And if you look at those four things, it gives you this holistic picture of yourself and enables you to really make better decisions for your whole life, but especially for your career. Wow. I love that. And the, when, when you came up with these four pillars, was this based on all of your years of experience as a coach? Yes, absolutely. So I was certified as a career coach in 2007, but I was doing it in a corporate context in my company. And I felt so much passion about it because it really gave me an opportunity to help people transform their lives. And that's, that's definitely what I'm passionate about because making a difference in people's lives is one of my number one values. Excellent, Kristen. And can you talk a little bit about UMAP? I know that's something uh, that's really, you know, it's high on your, on your LinkedIn profile is something that you, you do. So can you explain to us, what does that mean? What is UMAP? So it's really interesting. I did not, I'm the accidental entrepreneur. I did not set out to create a product and certify people all over the world to use it. And I mean, all of that was a complete accident. When I started career coaching, I just felt like there was a lack in the market for a tool that looked at the whole person. People don't like to be put in boxes and looking at one tool and making all these assumptions about them because we're very nuanced and we're very complex. And even people with the same personality type on an assessment, they're very different than each other because of the talents they have or the values they have. So I had to try to find something that could tell me that nuanced picture and I couldn't find anything. So I just set out to create something myself and I started to test it on people. I actually serve in this volunteer ministry that helps the underemployed and the unemployed and the misemployed. And so that's free, obviously, work that I do. So they were my guinea pigs, if you will. <laughs> so I kept putting them through all of these different assessments and, nah, this one wasn't helpful. Or, yes, this really gave me what I need, but what's still missing. And I would listen to what people would say about why they were unfulfilled. And so I started to notice themes on the categories of unfulfillment. And that's how the four pillars of career fit came to be, because there were these four repeated categories. So as I started to put people through this for free, one after another, it nailed it, it nailed it, it nailed it. They were like, you have pointed out exactly why I'm not fulfilled in my career and what I need to do about it. And so I started using it with my paid clients after that, which I don't coach anymore, but at the time I did. And then what happened was other people started to show their UMAPs. I hired a designer to make it look pretty and, and create an actual professional profile. And people started contacting me. Where did you get this? I need this. I, I've, I've been kind of patching things together and you've created what I've, what I've been trying to do. I had recruiters contacting me, HR people contacting me, other coaches. And one woman in particular said, can you train me to use this? Well, 
I'm a go big or go home person. So if I'm going to train one person, I'm going to create a certification program so I could train multiple people. And that's how that came about. And it's really interesting, Roger, because I don't really, even though it's all over my profile, I don't really write posts ever talking about it on LinkedIn, but people keep coming to me saying, I need this and, and I want to use this tool with my clients. And that's, what's been really interesting is the market demand for it has really staggered me. I've certified seven people in the Middle East now to use this tool, the UK, Canada, United States. It's really kind of mind boggling just from using it in my own living room. That's, that's awesome. And is it a license based product? How does it No, no. So once someone goes through the certification program and they're certified to use it, they have access to the dashboard to generate UMAPs for their clients. There's no licensing or any of that nonsense. Wow. So we we need to post that link so people could take advantage of that and at least learn more about it and see if it's a good Mm -hmm. fit for them. But I did put all of my process for, for, um, for people to use who can't afford to hire a UMAP coach. I'm all about accessibility. So the entire process is in my UMAP book. People, There's free downloads and people can go through the reflection exercises. I wanted it to be accessible to everyone. And the coaches aren't threatened by that because they know that people who want to, to save money and be able to do it for $20 or less aren't really their ideal client. So the coaches are are really good about promoting the book too, because we want to help everyone with this self-awareness. That's incredible. Kristen, you mentioned the word accessibility. I love that word. I actually put a post up recently about the importance of it. But if you can spend a little bit of time uh, talking about that, I believe there's a shift in at least trying to educate people to become more aware so they could be more accessible, the importance of accessibility, why is accessibility important to you? And, and maybe give us an example or two of where people can try to be more accessible. You know, for me, it comes down to equality. I am a big proponent of equal opportunity. And that's really why I had to write the book, for example, because it bothered me that only people with means could get this type of help. And it still bothers me that people who live in countries that don't really issue credit cards can't access the book. I haven't figured that one out yet, except for I could we, I could tell you about the possibilities project later. Um, that's a free download. But I think that's why I write so much content on LinkedIn. I write a ton of content to help people discover themselves because I'm conscious of the fact that sometimes an $18.95 book is still not accessible to people. So I'm trying to help people as much as I can. But sometimes there are just systemic injustices that create issues with accessibility. Differently abled people have issues. I know that there are people who can't, read the book. So there's an audio book so that people can listen to it. Um, We are looking to help people in the prison system. They don't have access to computers a lot of times. Sometimes they do. It just depends. So how do you help people who are homeless and, and can't go online with their credit card and buy a book? So I'm always trying to think of all the ways I can help as many people as possible to make this information accessible because it's really important for prisoners to, when they're upon release, to be able to figure out, first of all, to feel confident about themselves and know they have gifts and value to offer society, but to keep them from returning into the penal system. So I'm always thinking about what are the marginalized populations that need to have confidence and self-awareness as well. Fantastic. And um, I wanted to shift into you helping managers not suck, as you say. (laughs) Uh, You you mentioned a quote at one point, the number one people quit their job is escaping their manager. So that was, that was eye opening to me. Um, Enlighten us about, about this, please. Yeah. So Gallup 
that that's a Gallup statistic. Gallup polled people who quit their jobs and they asked them, why did you quit your job? And 50% of respondents say that they quit to, to leave a manager. Well, that only leaves 50% for all of the other reasons. So, you know, it's the number one reason. Um, the, actually, the number two reason, if you're interested, is people were looking for growth that they weren't getting. But here's, here's what's really interesting. I did a global survey when I wrote my most recent book, Your Team Loves Mondays, right? I did a global survey of managers and I asked them, do you think that you're a good manager? And 89% of respondents around the world said they strongly agreed with the statement, yes, I'm a good manager. But Gallup found 89% of people are the wrong hire when they're put into a manager role that really, in fact, only one in 10 people are wired to manage people well, which means 90% of people are not wired to manage people well, yet almost 90% of people think they're a really good manager. In fact, they strongly agree that they're a really good manager. So what's going on? What's going on is we have blind spots. We have blind spots to how we demotivate our employees. And we also do this thing. So I have a neuroscience degree and I have a master certification in neuro-based coaching. So I do a lot of neuroscience work when I, when I coach people that are coaches. And one of the things that's really interesting is managers, when they look at an employee and they see something they don't like, their expectations are not being met. They don't like the person's performance. We have something called the fundamental attribution bias, FAB. <laughs> when other people aren't meeting our expectations or do something we don't like, it's a character issue. You're lazy, you're stupid, you're unskilled, you're worthless, you're disrespectful, you're rude. But when we do something like show up late or cut someone off in traffic, it's an exception. There's a reason uh, a, a logical explanation why I did something wrong. It's got nothing to do with my character. So we need to be aware of all of these brain-based biases that we have because we are not, and that's why communication is so important, right? Because human beings are prone to making assumptions. And in the workplace, there's a whole lot of assumptions going on and people aren't openly and honestly communicating because we don't have a foundation of trust. Ultimately, that's the biggest issue is the lack of trust in relationships in the workplace. Wow. That's very, uh, it's very enlightening. And I, I appreciate you sharing those statistics and that information with us because we could all do better, right? In, in our roles, whatever role, whether we're, we're a manager or not, um, just being more aware and how we treat people, mm -hmm. uh, situations happen, how we react to those situations. And um, no, again, it's, it's, it's great to hear all those different examples. So let's talk about, you mentioned earlier, the Possibilities Project, mm -hmm. which is a, a free forever life book for students. Tell us about that project. It sounds really exciting. And I know you were, you were part of this uh, bigger effort. Yeah, it was really an honor to be a part of this book. So Dawn Metcalf is a management consultant in, in the United Arab Emirates. She's originally, she's an expat from Ireland. She's an interesting woman. You should, you really should bring her on your show. We'll talk about that later. But Dawn Metcalf and Sarah Bahar had this idea. They started to notice that this self-awareness issue is rampant as well because they go in companies and do coaching and executive coaching and things like that. So they said, why don't we start earlier? Why don't we help? High school students, before they even make career decisions or even are going to college, why don't we help them? And we're so desperate to help them. We have to make it so that every student can have this, this resource or this book free of charge. So Don and Sarah started knocking on doors in the United Arab uh, government, companies, and people were like, yes, we will support this. And so it has a lot of corporate sponsorship behind it, which is what makes it free so that the companies have said, we'll pay for this. And sometimes it's individuals that have said, you know what, we'll just give you money to pay for this, to produce this book. So the website is thepossibilitiesproject.co 
And the book is right on there. Anyone can download it for free. It'll be free forever. So this book has 19 contributors, some really interesting people in this book. The first Emirati woman Olympic weightlifter. <laughs> That's a lot, of, a lot of words to remember, but she's the first Emirati woman to, to compete in the Olympics in weightlifting in the world ever in history. And she contributed a chapter. The editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine for the Middle East region contributed a chapter as well as the Minister of Culture uh, for the United Arab Emirates. And they reached out to me in, I think, September of last year. And I was already writing my own book at the time. And they said, would you write a chapter on discovering yourself, self-awareness? And I said, absolutely. And I think I turned around the chapter in three days. I just put my nose to the grindstone and, and wrote it. And so they, they, they were at the, I always get the, the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature, which is the largest literary festival in the world. They launched the book at that Lit Fest on February 8th in Dubai. And it's been getting all types of attention. And it's really an honor to be involved in it because it's, they're talking about it on TV stations and radio stations. It's everywhere. And I'm thinking, I think I'm the only American that's in the book, which is kind of neat. That's wonderful. And it sounds like you're in incredible company there with that book. And so it just came out a few weeks ago? February 8th was the official wow. launch. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's such a great book because all of these entrepreneurs – um, government officials, innovators, business people—they—they've all—they all believe in the project and helping the youth. So they all just contributed their time, and it really is a book on life success. So interestingly enough, even though it was created for students, adults are reading it too because you've got all these wonderful life lessons of achieving a successful life from all these really successful people. And so now all these adults are reading it too, which is kind of neat. That's great, Kristen. Uh, you talked earlier about taking action on that chapter. You did it in three days. You do a lot of different things. I mean, whether it's just going through this interview and listening to all, all the different projects you're involved with, whether it's looking at all of your LinkedIn posts, um, you know, you're, you're doing a lot, but that takes action, right? You can't just think about something and then hope it happens. Mm -hmm. Provide us a, a little bit of insight as to, have you always been like that? Uh, <laughs> or was there a point in time where, because I, I think for the, for the most part, generally speaking, most people are afraid to take action. They are. And you know, it's really interesting you asked me this question because I just spoke to 140 women on Wednesday last week about this very topic. Why am I not reaching my goals? Why am I not accomplishing anything I'm setting out to accomplish? We're six weeks into the new year and still, still, I've already quit my goals. So it's interesting because there's a lot of mindset stuff. And I think that was my advantage. I was, I was raised with a really positive mindset. That doesn't mean that you can't develop one intentionally. It's really important to start with a belief. Do I believe I can accomplish this? Am I setting a goal to lose weight? Am I setting a goal to write a book? Am I setting a goal to get a promotion or start a company? But then at night, I start to play these messages. You're not smart enough to, to start a business. You're not cut out to be an entrepreneur. Who are you to write a book? Why would anyone care what you have to say? So we say we're going to do something, but then we we tell we play these negative tracks which seep into our subconscious and that's terrible when that happens because those tracks just play and play and that affects our action but once you believe something you have to have a desire for it a lot of people say i'm going to write a book but you know they don't really even care about it or why do you want to write a book is it even important to you is there a motivation behind it that's connected to your values if you don't have a burning desire for something you are going to quit before you start. The third thing is persistence. If you are not persistent, the slightest obstacle is going to knock you off the mountain. You've got to be able to persist against the people in your life who you thought were your supporters and all of a sudden are like, why are you writing a book? 
Why are you quitting your job to start a company? You know, 80% of consultants fail. You're not going to succeed doing that. You've got bills. How are you going to have medical insurance? And all these people start leveling objections because they project their fears onto you and they think they're trying to be helpful. So that persistence is key. If you don't have persistence, you're going to quit. Then you have to have a plan. It's really great to have goals, but if you're just saying, well, this is just going to happen, and, and I'm not saying the plan has to be completely nailed down from tip to tail, but you at least have to have some idea of what you're trying to do, have some form of plan. It can, and it can be fluid, but you have to at least start the plan. And then, then take action, and that action has to be a priority. So when your friends say, let's go dancing and drinking, I'm sorry, but I have to write 2,000 words every night until I get this book written. Um, are you scheduling whatever it is you're trying to learn or do or create on your calendar? Because what happens is people will say, oh, it's such a busy week. I didn't get to work on my business plan. Well, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. That's what Jim Rohn says. So if you don't plan your day, everyone around you is going to dictate how you spend your day. And so that action has to have intention. I am going to say no. I'm going to have boundaries. I'm going to plan my time. I'm going to be selfish with my time. I'm going to know what my objectives and goals are so that I evaluate all my decisions. Does this fit in with my definite purpose? So that was a lot. <laughs> no, and it's really good. That's it's, my mindset. Yeah, that's really, really good. And it, two things came to mind as you were talking. One is earlier you talked about confidence. And as you were talking, I'm thinking about toughness. Because it seems that all those things that you said are really important, right? And you have to apply all of them. But where does the confidence and toughness come into play? So I'll start with confidence. I am a big fan of Carol Dweck and that fixed versus growth mindset. You don't have to know everything, but you have to be confident that you are resourceful enough to figure it out. And sometimes that's bringing in other people, asking questions, knowing how to Google <laughs> or buy the right book. So I will jump into things that I'm not sure how to do. I think it was Richard Branson who said, just say yes. When your customer asks if you could do something, say yes and figure it out later. That's so me. <laughs> because I believe I'm resourceful enough to figure it out. And I think that's key to confidence. It doesn't mean you know everything or that you're perfect. It means you believe that you're resourceful enough to be able to figure it out or find the right people who can help you figure it out. That's number one. The second thing is, is toughness. And I agree with you that that's a, a real problem. People give up very easy. People get offended very easy. And I think the biggest issue is people have difficulty separating opinions from their identity. And what I mean by that is if someone comes against you or they question you or challenge you, you take it as a personal attack. So you're tying your opinions to your identity as a person. And I think when people are able to separate those things, that's when our critical thinking skills strengthen and we can look at opposition, challenge, things that offend us. And, you know, I once heard a saying that said, um, when you announce that you're offended, you're telling people that you're unable to control your own emotions, so they have to control them for you. And I really do believe in that. Now, I don't think people should go around being jerks to people, but you can't control other people, how they treat you and what they say. And I think that you need to learn a certain amount of toughness to get through this life. So let's talk about LinkedIn. That's how you and I connected. It seems to be just a platform that is going crazy for people, especially those that are like you who are really, um, you know, uh, you, you, you have a voice, uh, you, you produce a ton of content, 
you have a tremendous following. How important is LinkedIn to you and your business? And give us some insight on how, how you grew this huge following of yours. Sure. So I love LinkedIn. My business would be okay if LinkedIn went away because I don't believe in putting all my eggs in one basket. So I don't know if you've ever heard the four models of the types of businesses. You can have pig businesses, black widow businesses, chicken businesses, and locust businesses. Pig businesses are like consulting. People want you. You're the only, like the fattened pig. <laughs> you're the only one who can provide right. that, that exact service. Chicken businesses are like subscriptions. People can get past, it's like passive income. You want to mix between pig and chicken businesses. Locusts are you sell a ton of things, but your margins are really small, like grocery stores and Walmart. And then black widow businesses are you rely on one major, like the government is your client. And if there's any kind of a shutdown, you're in trouble. Um, or you have one major Fortune 100 client. And if they let go of you, you'd be in trouble. So I view LinkedIn that way. I love LinkedIn and I use it every day, but I don't put all my eggs in one basket. I have boots on the ground strategies and I build relationships outside of LinkedIn just in case. I don't want to be that dependent on it, but I do love it. Um, I would say I've learned a lot about how to use LinkedIn effectively. Of course, everyone's different, but I've been writing on LinkedIn and doing not video the whole time because it wasn't available, but I've been, I've been contributing on LinkedIn for five years on an almost daily basis, at least five days a week. And so I think I have, I'm, I'm between 35 and 36,000 followers at this point, but I don't really send a lot of connection requests. So I only have 15,000 connections. So I have more followers than I have connections, which is interesting. Now, there are a few keys with LinkedIn. Number one, you can't go in there just selling. Here's my book. Here's my program. No one cares. Everyone's hitting the snooze button on you. You have to have some sort of an engaging hook with your content. What I've noticed is I have a psychology background. My neuroscience degree is from the psychology department. And people love talking about themselves. It's their favorite subject. So you have to ask people a question. Oh. It's true. Yes, you it have is. to ask people a question to get them thinking, share your content, and then ask them their opinion. And that's why I get so much engagement because I, I know that people want an opportunity to brag about themselves, to put their opinion on the world stage. Not everyone does, but most people do. And so this morning's post, I shared a quote from my daughter, and then I asked people, what's one thing that you want your children to pick up from you? And of course, the parental swelling comes into play, and I want I, people get an opportunity to not only brag about a great trait about them, but then brag about how their kids are now emulating that trait. So I'm not manipulating people. I truly know. I've figured out what people find valuable through trial and error. And people find a few things valuable. Something that makes them think differently. Thought-provoking content. So I'm thinking differently about something. Something that they can practically take away and use right now. So here's a tip to really knock your job interview out of the park. Do this three-step formula. Or something that connects to people's emotion to inspire them. People want to think differently about something, be inspired, or take away something they can use immediately. And I always try to even give a takeaway that they can use immediately, even when I'm using the inspiration and thought-provoking strategies, which is the one-two punch if you do both. That's so that's what I've discovered. Oh, that's great. That's you just dropped a bunch of gold on us here. And I think everyone could use those, those tips, right? I mean, it's just, and like you said, you're not being manipulative, but you're, you're giving tips on what people could do to get more engagement. Mm -hmm. And it's gotta be wrapped around story. There was this one woman who reached out to me and she was complaining that she wasn't getting any engagement. And she said, I write on LinkedIn. I had so much value. 
And I said, all right, let me go look at your content. And I scroll her activity tab. And all she was doing was giving tools and frameworks and tips without any story. And I said to her, you know, the human brain learns best through analogy. That's why Jesus used parables <laughs> during his three-year mission to, to get people's attention. Even people knew that 2,000 years ago, that people respond to story. And I said to her, all you're doing is just funneling information at people. They're going to hit the snooze button again on you. You have to wrap. So if you want to say, here's the number one tip to be a better parent, a better manager, a better whatever, a better writer, wrap it around your story or someone else's story and tell the story. Everyone loves the hero's journey. So you have to use storytelling. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. And speaking of stories, let's talk about your new book, Maximize 365, A Year of Practical Tips to Transform Your Life. Career, I know you talk about career, you talk about relationships in this book. This is exciting. I can't wait to hear more about it. So essentially, it's what I do on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'll share a quote with people. I'll share... Uh, uh, you know, some sort of a little devotional about something and a tip. And I thought, why don't I just put these in a book for people because they disappear from the feed and then people can't access them again. So how it's formatted is there are five areas of people's lives that they tend to want to improve. They want to improve their relationships. They want to improve their career. They want to improve their finances, their health, or their spiritual well-being. And it's really, it's, um, Zig Ziglar had the wheel of life. It's similar to that. So essentially what I've done is it's this one page format. There's an inspirational quote about the subject. So let's, let's say it's how to start saying no. Okay. And there's this quote about it. Then there's this mindset write up. You have to give people a paragraph or two of what's in it for me. Why should I care about this? Then the third thing on the page is ideas for action. It's at least one tip you can go out right now and practically use. And I might in that instance give people the language to say no without feeling bad, for example. And the, the paragraph is why you should be saying no. And then there's a reflection section with questions that it asks you. So you can start thinking about how are you going to apply this action tip to your life? And it lets you take some notes there on how you're going to commit to take action, going back to what you asked me before about taking action. And so if you work through these 365 tips and you can start at any point in the year, by the end of the year, you should seriously level up your life. Wow. I can't wait for this book. When do you expect this to be out? It's due to my publisher August 1st. So with an August 1st, uh, he, he said, my publisher told me they were looking to release it around November or December. So okay. it would be available early. It would be November or early December. So it's available for Christmas. It's that gift for the person who has everything. That's awesome. No, and it just makes so much sense that you've applied a lot of these tips that you've been giving over the years on LinkedIn or wherever else and now putting them in one place for, for people to have. So I can't, I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. um, and you've said this a couple of times now, learning to say no. That's an important uh, trait, isn't that? Oh, I say no all the time. And I don't feel bad about it. Yes, it's a very important trait. Because I'll tell you what, if you never say no, people will just run away with your life. You'll have no say. And then you end up resenting people. But I think people are afraid to say no because they, they want to be nice. They don't want to be a jerk. But you're actually being a jerk when you say yes to someone and then you're resenting them silently because you don't want to do what you've agreed to do. That's being a jerk. But there's a bit of an ego there. I'm the only person who can help this person or do this. Who died and made you master of the universe that only I can solve this problem? So I came to learn that if I don't do it, it gives someone else an opportunity. It, you're robbing other people of opportunities who might want to do it. So I always say yes to certain things. For example, if people ask me on their podcast, unless, I mean, if they have like hate speech and stuff on their social media, when I Google them, obviously I would say no, but I don't care if they have five followers. 
because I believe in, in giving and helping podcasters and, and helping them by then referring people. I always refer guests after I go on a podcast. But if someone says, hey, can you serve on this board for orphans, that doesn't align to my mission of helping people love Mondays. So I'm not the right person to say yes to that. But I might introduce them to someone who could say yes. Saying no opens opportunities. It keeps you from, from resenting people. And honestly, if that person knew that you didn't want to do it in your heart, they never would have asked you. And if they would ask you anyway, why would you say yes to someone that doesn't care about you? Well, that's great. And that's the first time I've heard it put that way. A lot of people talk about saying no and in, 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 in some different ideas, but I never heard it framed that way. What if someone is struggling right now? Um, it's just one of those things they just can't get over. And do you have any advice on something they might be able to do to help them at least get on the path of saying no? So in the workplace setting, the number one thing people do is just say yes to all the work put on their plate. And then they're working 60 hours a week and they're stressed out and they're underwater. That's where I see it the most because I used to coach people in the workplace and that was the number one complaint. I'm like, why are you, why do you have so much on your plate? You're not saying no. I can't say no to my boss. Oh, really? So <laughs> here's what you say. I would, okay, they come to you and they say, I need you to do this needs analysis. I'd be happy to do that for you. Here are the projects I have on my plate. I'm, I'm fully at capacity right now. Which of these things would you like me to temporarily put on hold to help you with that? And I tried that with my manager who was a super achiever with no kids. So all she did was work all the time. And she looked at my, my priorities on my to-do list and she said, don't worry about it. I'll ask someone else. And she delegated to somebody who couldn't say no. Now, if someone says to you, you can't put any of those things on pause. They're all important. That's not true. You can't have 10 projects that are equal of priority. So what you can say, if they say, oh, those are all important. Oh, I definitely understand these are all important. Which one would it not harm the business if it didn't get done next week and we did this instead? You can help them, right. uh, help, them help you prioritize. That's what I would say. And it works because I tried it and I didn't think it would work. Great, 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 great. Okay, let's talk about your children's book. I know that's something new that you've done or that you're working on. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, as you framed it, a a pre-career book for kids uh, so they could help discover their talents, even at the young age of K through second grade. Mm -hmm. One of the things that drives me nuts is when adults ask kids, what would you like to do when you grow up? I mean, you're 40 and you don't know what you want to be when you grow up. Here you are asking this eight-year-old child who has no self-awareness whatsoever, and they're going to say, oh, I'd like to own a flower shop or be a waitress or be a teacher. I mean, when you pull kids and you ask them what they want to do, like half of them want to be a teacher because they see a teacher every day. So what I want to do is shape the conversation around what is special about you. So the book is actually has my two daughters and I'm going to have the illustrator draw my daughters at like age 10 because they're younger than that. One of them is a woodland fairy who takes the other girl on a journey of self-discovery and she uses her magic pixie dust to create these images and visions. But it's a four book series and the first book is helping children understand their gifts. So Are you a good friend? Are you able to build relationships with people? Or are you able to influence and persuade people and picture a little girl with her megaphone at her lemonade stand and everyone's buying from her, her, the little budding entrepreneur? Or are you someone that gets things done? You're good at doing your homework and keeping your room organized or whatever. Or do you have lots of ideas? And um, do do you love to create? So I'm going to ask all these questions and at the end of the book, what I'm going to have the parents or them encourage them to circle words, the key word from each lesson on each page, and they build a sentence about themselves at the end that they can proudly say, I am a good friend who can build relationships with lots of people. I make people feel included, and I, and I encourage them 
So they'll have like a custom sentence they build around the words that sounded like them when they read this book with their mom or with their dad or grandmother or whoever. That's brilliant. I love that idea. And um, I love the fact that it's a four, four book series. That's yeah, because we're going to talk about what's important to them, how, how they like to spend their time, what they like to do, the skills they're good at, and about their personality. It's the four pillars of career fit, but with children's language. Perfect. Perfect. When do you expect that book to be completed? So that book is going to, so I'm three quarters of the way done writing it, but it has to be illustrated. So that one will release in 2021. Beautiful. Great. Okay. Let's talk about something I know that's also personally important to you, and that is diet and nutrition. Mm -hmm. You've been successful uh, in your own right. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your story there, because I know that at one point you mentioned to me that you struggled. You had a hard time until something clicked. Yeah. So it was interesting. I tried to lose weight four times in the last two years, and I was unsuccessful. I tried keto twice. The first time I lost weight and gained it all back. <laughs> um, so then I tried it again. I tried walking and treadmill, but you can't out-exercise a bad diet. That's what I came to find out. And then the fourth time, and I realized something. I didn't have, remember what we talked about before, having the right motivation connected yes. to your values? When I tried to lose weight, my goal was lose 30 pounds. But then I started to have health problems. I had gastrointestinal problems, back pain, foot pain, headaches, and high blood pressure. And all I felt terrible, and all that was happening. And I have a three-year-old, and I'm, I, I'm 48 years old, and I have a three-year-old. So it's not unusual for kids to have children older these days, 30 for the first child. So I thought, I will be 75 years old if my daughter has her first child at 30. Will I be alive at 75 on the path I'm going? And I started to imagine my daughter in a hospital room holding her first child and crying, saying to her husband, I wish my mother would be here to meet our baby. And every time the donuts were there or the brownies were there or I had to make a food choice, I would say, is this choice going to help me be there to hold my grandchild and live long enough to, to meet my grandchild? What a motivation that was. So in 15 weeks, I've gone from a size 16 to a size 8, which is bananas. And it's only 26 pounds that I've released. But I had inflammation because me and dairy don't get along. <laughs> dairy causes me inflammation and so does gluten. So not only did I lose that weight, but I lost all the inflammation as well. So it's a much more radical transformation because of that. So I've started a lot of practices in my life. I drink 64 ounces minimum of water every day. I don't eat after 6 p.m. and I don't eat again until 8.30 in the morning. So I have that intermittent fast window. I drink a glass of water before I eat. So I eat smaller portion sizes and I have a 75% plant-based diet now. I have no more high blood pressure no more back pain, no more foot pain. I have not had an IBS attack. I have IBS. That's the, the GI issue I have. Since I changed my lifestyle, I have not, and I used to have weekly attacks, really awful stomach pain and just awful. So I have no health issues and I'm not on any medication. It's incredible. Congratulations. Thank and you. Not only is that a great story, the way you framed it, it's emotional. You know, when you, when you do think about that, you know, fast forward 25 years or so and you're not there, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's a motivator. And I'm really glad you said that because that'll hit home with a lot of people. And I'm, and I'm sure our audience will respond to that. So wonderful job. I think you have another book there too, by the way. There's a couple. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I already have like three more lined up, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll tell my, my story because I think it would help people. Do you know that 10 people have been so inspired by watching because I share my journey on social yes. media. Ten more people have done this process. My mother included. My mother was on that same path. She's dropped 30 pounds and she is now living a healthy lifestyle. 
That's incredible. That's yeah. what, that's what it's all about. And it's, it's spreading knowledge, right? That's the free content, like what we're doing right now. I mean, we're, you, you're taking your time out of your day. I'm taking my time. Of course, I'm grateful for your time. But when two people do that, it becomes four, eight, 16. And that's, that's what's wonderful about sharing knowledge yeah. and information. People don't have to be, you know, so competitive or, you know, everything doesn't have to be proprietary. So uh, mm-hmm. we, we really appreciate you sharing all of this knowledge with us today. I have two last questions before I let you go. Uh, the first one is, if you were to pull out your cell phone right now and call the 20-year-old Kristen, what would you tell her? Oh, my goodness. I would tell her, don't let fear hold you back from pursuing what you feel you need to be doing in your heart. Because I didn't quit my job and pursue my business for years. I wanted to quit a long time before, but I didn't because I was afraid, how would I make money? But when I moved into my zone of genius, people are attracted to the work I'm doing And I actually have been more successful quitting my job than if I had stayed at corporate. So I would say, don't allow fear to keep you stuck. It's a terrible liar. Fear is a liar. Wow. So well said. And my last question, which I ask every guest, and you have a lot of life to live. We just talked about it because of your new healthy lifestyle. (laughs) Assuming I don't get hit by a bus, but anyway. That's right. right. But at the end of the day, when your work is done, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, my goodness. I am so glad you asked me that question. I stood in a funeral and listened to people talk about this person who had passed away. And I said to myself, I don't think people would talk about me that way. I want people to to think of me as someone who gave and their life was better because I was in it. Wonderful. Kristen Sherry, you are wonderful. I'm so glad we connected. I know this is going to be the first of many conversations. Uh, If people want to reach you, what's the best way? They can connect with me on LinkedIn or they can reach me at uh, um, Kristen at myumap.com or myumap.com through my website. (laughs) K-R-I-S-T-I-N. And we'll drop the links in there as well to make it easy for them. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Welcome to the American Real family, and we'll talk real soon. Thank you, Roger. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we can help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.